CupAgo is happily sponsored by the Backend Venter podcast. Stick around to the ad break to hear more about this great podcast for backend developers hosted by Elaine Wagner. Uh, this is Kapago for November 17, 2023. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in, let's face it, it's going to be more than 15 minutes per week this week, but usually it's 15 minutes per week. I'm Shai Nechmad. And I'm Jonathan Hall. I'm coming to you from a tin can. Yeah, it sounds like it. What's, what's up there? All right. So first of all, I'm back. Hi, everyone. My microphone is uh, has died. That's very unfortunate. Oh. After 15 years of... Uh, uh, loyal service. 15 years? That's longer than Go's been around. Yeah, it is. One year, it was just such a great microphone, such great engineering that the Go <laughs> developers were like, oh my God, did you see this Rode NT1-A? Um, <laughs> we have to build something great as well. But they weren't microphone experts, they were language experts. So we ended up with Go. True story. Uh, happy late birthday, Go, by the way. Sorry I missed your birthday. I was kind of preoccupied. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's... Get back into it. Let's do it. As usual, we'll start with some uh, conferences and call for papers. There are a lot on the horizon. We want to highlight two. Uh, FOSDEM Go uh, DevRoom has a call for papers uh, waiting until December 1st. Where should you be if you want to present there? Yeah, if you want to present at FOSDEM, you need to be in Brussels in February. February, I don't remember, 3rd or 4th, something like that. It's a free conference. So if you're in Europe and your company won't sponsor you, this is the one to go to. And it's not just Go, but of course, that's the cool part. You could also go there to talk about Python or Apache or a thousand other things. They have all sorts of dev rooms there. But the Go dev room is where the cool stuff's happening. Yeah, and everything open source. It's not at the Atomium, but I like to imagine it's like in one of the like metal balls in the Atomium. Yeah, yeah I think pretty much everyone who goes to FOSDEM also goes to Atomium afterwards. You should. I've, I've been there and it's cool. But if you want to go, uh, you should visit. It's free. But if you want to give a talk... Uh, the call for papers is open until December 1st. Uh, and if you're not sure if you want to give a talk, go give a talk. Yeah, Everybody wants give it you, a you have something interesting to say. On a similar note, if you're on the other side of Europe, GopherCon Athens is uh, happening on February 6th, 7th, and 8th. Looks like a really, really good lineup. Uh, and the call for papers for that is open until November 19th. So you don't have a lot of time. You have two days to break a plate, grab your bazooki, and, and send, uh, send a call for paper. So don't procrastinate that one anymore. Nope. Get on it. Get on yeah. it. Um, so that's it for Call for Papers. Let's get to the news. What's been going on in Go? Yeah, so one thing, this is a, an interesting story. Um, there's a, you've probably all heard of the Go Tour, which is an official sort of really lightweight introduction to Go. Did you also know there's an ultimate Go Tour that's more in-depth? And it's now in, I think, six languages. That's really The ultimate good. Go Tour is provided by Arden Labs. And it was recently, just the last week or so, announced that the Portuguese version is out. And there's also a Persian version. Persian version, that even rhymes. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and several others. But the main reason I wanted to mention it today right now is that after the ad break, I'm interviewing one of the translators who worked on the, the Portuguese translation. So if you like many, many listeners uh, learned to program and are not a native English speaker, that's what we talk about in the interview. We also talk about how to get involved if you are interested in helping to translate to your native language. So stick around for that interview. It was a nice conversation. That's really cool. I, I, I'm looking at the Portuguese version right now and every fiber of my being wants to like read it in a funny accent. <laughs> but I won't do that. It's a legitimate language. Uh, but it's really cool. Available in multiple languages. Looks like it, it's available in uh, Arabic as well. It might be actually Persian. 
I don't know how to differentiate yeah. Arabic letters, but it's also available in English. It and is. we can definitely recommend Ardan Labs content. Uh, we know some people there. It's it's good. It's good content if you want to get better at Go. Definitely. Cool. Let's talk about some proposals. We haven't done that for a while. And we're not mm-hmm. going to do it next week either, probably. Why won't we do that? Because the proposal week? team is on holiday until after the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. So yeah, all the turkeys working hard to yeah. input the proposals. But yeah. you didn't know that. But they're like plucking away at keyboards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Conspiracy. Russ Cock is is a is a is a turkey confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have some proposals. Uh, the first one has been accepted, and I'm pretty happy to see it accepted. It is pragmatic, practical, and painful. For many people, I would say um, it's flaky tests. You know, the, the proposal starts with flaky tests are the worst. Um, <laughs> this is like the first sentence of that proposal, uh, which is uh, not a, the best like elevator pitch I've heard. My proposal is the worst. <laughs> but, you know, you do have flaky tests sometimes. If, you're fla- if your tests depend on third party services or databases or network or basically anything outside the binary in the box you're working on, the larger, the more teams you have, more projects interconnected you have, and the more the tests themselves become convoluted, the more likely uh, you will have flaky tests. And the proposal lets you mark tests as flaky and rerun them automatically uh, and mark them with like a message that says, oh, this is flaky because it depends on that integration Kafka server, which is in the basement. And whenever the cleaner comes to clean the basement, she sometimes knocks it with her broom and some messages, messages fall out. It's been a super interesting discussion. I, I really think you should go read the issue and we'll obviously have a link in the show notes. And it was accepted last week, uh, which I'm happy to see. I assume it's not a hard implementation, so we'll probably see it like introduced to the language pretty soon, right? I would imagine so. I don't think it'll be that difficult either. How long do we have until the next like major version? I'm uh, betting on on Valentine's Day, so February. So not a ton of time. No. Three months, that's not a ton of time to implement something like that. But we're, we might be crossing our fingers. You need yeah. to retry a few times and you'll see if, if we actually are. <laughs> um, there's another proposal I've been interested by, mostly because I didn't understand. I, I tried to read it. And I didn't understand what's going on. Because Textar? Textar? TXTAR? I don't know how you pronounce it. But I, I only recently became familiar with TXTAR or Textar, or however it's pronounced. T-X-T-A-R, for those who are completely confused by pronunciation we've been making. Uh, it's essentially a text tar format. Uh, it's useful if you don't need data integrity to be like the highest priority, but you need human readability to be the highest priority. Um, I recently ran into this when I was creating a patch for GoFumped. They use TX tar for some of their tests. So it's a human readable text tar format. So but isn't tar like compressed? How can it be readable? So tar itself is not compressed, but if you gzip your tar, then it's compressed. Oh, I see. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So it's basically a, a textual concatenation of text files with a particular separator that is easy to read in human terms. That's not what's added, though. That, that's already been available in uh, in the X, you know, golang.org slash X tools uh, TX tar. That's been around for a while. The new proposal is to make this implementation that already exists support the fs.fs interface so you can sort of read from it as though it were a regular file system so that's mm-hmm. that's what's been uh, accepted uh and will i imagine be included very soon this isn't part of the standard library uh, because it's in the 
golang.org slash X hierarchy. So this could come at any time. Basically, whenever it's done, I imagine it will be available. It could be before February or after February, depending on when someone gets around to it. One thing I found interesting in the proposal, well, two things, actually. One is obviously Jusharian is all over it, uh, Josh Bleeker Snyder, uh, and with very interesting and insightful uh, comments. The, actually, so three things. The second thing is I learned a new acronym that uh, Russ is, uh, uses, which is SGTM. Okay, yeah. What do you think? That's you got so, it. I didn't. I, get oh it yeah, first. I know. That I had to look it sounds up. good to me, right? Yeah, I know. LGTM looks good to me, yeah. but I guess sounds good to me also works. I'll use that to, to confuse some people in code reviews to, to get them scared to be like approved, but with an acronym they don't know. <laughs> but the actually interesting part is you have the like file system. You know, uh, you, you can use an archive as a file system, which is super useful, and mm-hmm. people always find useful ways to use this interface. For example, implementing a you know. A, a TX tar file explorer using fine, you'll have to have that interface to like implement it simply. But because you can modify the underlying archive, there's an error modified error specific to that interface to that package. It tries to like best effort understand if the underlying archive has been modified uh, since you opened the FS. And it's like best effort and not guaranteed and try to understand if someone's like misusing the API. I think that's pretty interesting because usually you don't like uh, file system operations to not be like atomic and, and well-defined and work well, but they, they almost never are. Uh, so at least we're acknowledging it upfront with a, with a pretty bad error as well, which is like, uh... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's it for proposals this week, right? That is. Other than the fact that we're not going to have uh, proposals until Thanksgiving. Yeah, until beginning. Which of is on probably. for the non-Americans. Uh, the fourth Thursday of November. Sure. 15 yards away. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a weird way to choose a date. It's, it's imperial the, the 23rd this well. year. So I think the next review will happen on the 29th. So we'll report it on probably December 1st. One thing that I think is uh, worth mentioning, uh, this is actually brought to our attention on the Cup of Go Slack channel uh, by one of the maintainers of the Testify project. Actually, I shouldn't say one of the maintainers. It's the only maintainer, which is kind of the point of what I'm about to talk about, which is that the talk that apparently has been going on about creating a V2 for Testify uh, has ended. That will not be happening. And the TLDR is so many people are using testify v1 that adding a v2 would not reduce the support burden on v1 in fact it would only increase the support burden because now we have to maintain the old broken api and the new fancy api and with one maintainer only that's just not feasible so the all the hopes for testify v2 have just been destroyed dashed pulverized unless Perhaps, this wasn't stated, but I think I can read between the lines, unless there's some huge community uprising of support to help maintain Testify, maybe then we could revisit this issue. Or a new fork that just like captures the imagination, and then we can have V1 just be for the old projects and and some new fork, you know, Testify with like H at the end (laughs) um, as the newer version. Um, I always read that word with a with a little bit of stank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Import testify. It is interesting. Uh, you don't like testify, though. I'm not a fan. Uh, I mean, so I might be a minority, but I, I like to hold the party line that just use the standard library. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like assertion libraries because I think they. You use Linux, by the way, right? 
Just a good place to plug that. You know, you t- you say that a far more than I do. You, you give me a hard time about this, but you talk about it more than I do. <laughs> anyway, uh, I I love testify. Not necessarily like it's not necessarily something I, I import first thing when I write a test. It might be uh, go test.tools, uh, which we discussed yeah, in, the, in the yeah. past, one of our actually earlier interviews. But I love what it's done where it's like challenged, go testing, introduced, you know, better ways to write tests, more standardized way to write tests. When you import it, my sense of whether a project is is like mature enough or not, and if it's good enough or not, is when you import it and start hacking away at, at, in VS Code or whatever, if Copilot completes you correctly and the code looks good, that means it has enough examples to go by. And that's something Testify definitely shines in. It has a ton of users but I do agree with you. It's kind of clunky. That's the whole reason we ha- we're having this V1, V2 debate. If I recall, we, we talked about a, a, a tool. I can't remember the, the link to it right now. But it ranked Go packages by how frequently they're imported. And I think Testify was like the first or second most imported tool. Uh, so it, it's definitely popular. There's no doubt about that at all. I would, I think for a new project, like a Greenfields project, uh, I would go with try and stand the standard library and try to stick with the standard library for as long as you can. But if you do need to reach out for like quick assertions and like all the things that, uh, you know, elements match and all the things that like uh, Testify offers, it's not a bad option. And now that you know it's going to stay, you know, it's it, you want easy assertions and you want some mocking and you want some testing sweet stuff, which, you know, happens as your testing uh, gets more and more complicated. You want to set up a Docker container that imitates Postgres before you start your test because your test, you know, reaches out to a third party database and want to seed it with data. Yeah, it's going to be easier to write it with Testify than set up your own thing. Not a lot easier, but it is going to be easier. So I, I'm for it. You're against it, but it's definitely going to stay in V1 and stay stable. It has a ton of uh, users, uh, so at least it's very reliable. Well, I have to say, if I have to work in, a, in an ecosystem where Testify is popular, I'm glad there's only one of them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's better to have one way to do so. Uh, cool. Let's do some community stuff. Let's do it. So first of all, you might remember uh, Eliav from a previous episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Talked about JSON and in, in performance related to JSON marshalling and unmarshalling. And now it's sort of been unveiled uh, why and how. So friends of the show, uh, you know, and full disclosure, uh, good friends of mine and uh, people I conducted business with. So Lunar, friends of the show, uh, and full disclosure, friends of mine and uh, people I conducted business with, just got out of stealth. Uh, they got a really nice funding round of $6 million. They have an open source project, which we'll link in the show notes. Uh, go start that. Go show some support. It is not just for uh, Go developers. It is a generic tool for backend developers who should, it should fit every language and every API you use for API management. We're just really happy for them, specifically in the Israeli tech scene right now. It's good to see that they've been able to you know, keep working hard, even though uh, some of them have been away as well, uh, in the same way I have. And we're, we're really happy for you, uh, Lunar, and we hope uh, some listeners of the show might install your Go package and see if it works, and an open pull request, et cetera, et cetera. So the link is in the show notes, and uh, go start that. Now for the really important discussions on Reddit. This is the whole reason the show is happening today, I have to say. I'm showing you this card, Shy. What do you see? Wait, what? Imagine I'm showing you a card that oh. has the, the colon equals on it. When I show you when I show you this paint splotch, what do you see? Is it a is it a gopher or a walrus? Dad? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I, I think it's you'll be you'll forgive me for saying this. 
but they uh, like colon equals a sign uh, just always looked like like a merging lane to me because oh. usually the upper colon is in the same line looks like it looks like a sign i don't know at least for me like the value is merging into the variable you know what it looks like to me i have to look up the name of the character now um i, I think it looks like general grievous from star wars <laughs> yeah Anyway, the the whole point of this nonsense is the, for some reason, probably because it's fun. Uh, the question: So, is the ghost mascot a gopher because colon equals looks like a gopher's eyes and teeth? Uh, the most uh, it's a highly upvoted thread on Reddit. Go weigh in and tell everybody that no, it's a walrus or that it's General Grievous or, or whatever you think it might be. It's a traffic sign. Yeah, I love how seriously people on Reddit answer that as well, right? Like you'll have a serious discussion about backend API future, and they'll. Sent flame and hate, yeah. but someone's like, "Oh, this emoji is kind of funny," and they're like, "You should read this blog post and <laughs> see uh, the origin of the Gopher mascot from the FAQ." Uh, go educate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, if you're in if you're in the Reddit uh, GoLang uh, thing and you're listening to our show and you're indoors right now and you have opinions about the Walrus operator. But if I'd ask you what the weather is, you'd be like, I don't know. I haven't been outside yet. Go go touch grass and, and, and then come back. You've had enough internet. I'm, I'm, I'm blocking you off. Uh, Reddit. Let's move uh, on. There, there's another social media um, thing which I want to highlight. So as listeners of the show know, I haven't been around for a while. And during my breaks in uh, reserve duty, I've started doing uh, YouTube. Like I've started watching YouTube because uh, I only have my phone, which I haven't done a lot. And the algorithm popped out some cool Go content, which, you know, I don't usually see. So first of all, I saw uh, John doing some book reviews, which you do on YouTube shorts. What, what's the response been on, on those sort of like, you know, because we do mention the books on the show. Yeah. We've had some authors, you know, we talked to Adelina, which is obviously a, a great friend of the show. Yeah. But the shorts thing, it's like, you know, you give 50 seconds about a book. Yeah. What's the response to that been like? So honestly, I mostly do that to make it easy to republish on social media. So I take the same video and I publish it on LinkedIn and Twitter and Mastodon. Uh, and I don't get view statistics from those because it's a, a new video upload. But mm, then it, that promotes the longer form uh, video. I don't know. I, I seem to get good response. I get good comments. You know, thanks for the review or I agree or, uh, you know. I Do you know about someone who bought a book because of your video? Yes. I have met several people who bought books because of my video. Cool. I just had a call uh, with somebody. I'm going to be mentoring them on an ongoing basis uh, in Go. And they said, I have a copy of Adelina's TDD book here because of your recommendation. Cool. That, that's a good book to buy. Yeah. If you don't know what book we're talking about, uh, Test Driven Development in Go, uh, go buy it. Um, so I found two videos, uh, which I wanted to highlight, released this week uh, from two creators, which we haven't talked about yet. The first one is about a tool called Go Blueprint, which, you know, face value, I don't like, um, but I like the format. It's super high quality video thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? The background is like purple, uh, purple lights and like the microphone is like the perfect microphone and the camera is like super well focused, really high quality YouTube uh, content. Uh, it's called the best tool to start programming in Go. If I had to ask you, uh, John, what's the best tool to start programming in Go? What would it be? I wouldn't even know how to answer that question. Are we talking about an editor? Are we talking like about... Like a laptop? 
yeah, electricity. Exactly. Like, yeah. how, how far do you go? <laughs> um, so it's actually uh, like a, go, a blueprint library uh, similar to Go New. Uh, where you, which is pretty recent. If you haven't heard about Go New, it's a, it's a tool that allows you to. Like, what are you, you mean, Gone W? Yeah, Gone W. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've done this joke already, but I have to mention it again. Obviously, Go, Gone W is for Unicode projects, and Gone A is for ASCII projects. <laughs> and anyone who got that joke, we're sorry. Same advice as the Reddit people: go get out of MSDN and go go for a hike. <laughs> uh, anyway. So it's a tool uh, that's you, it's a CLI tool that you can install. It has all the fancy schmancy, uh, you know, lip gloss and bubble tea interface, which I really like. It looks good to use and lets you set up a small HTTP server, so it, like avoids the boilerplate, uh, which is cool. Thanks Melky for publishing that. I think Melky's like looking for more people to um, like get into the project and give them some feedback. So if you have a new HTTP server to set up, go try it with Go Blueprint. Looks like a pretty simple way to get started. Uh, and on the other side of the spectrum of YouTube content, I found, when was the last crash you had in a Go project, like in production? In production, uh, probably yesterday, because the code I'm working on right now is so crappy. It's just full of panics every, everywhere and nil pointer exceptions and all sorts of nonsense. How do you debug it, though, when it happens? I look at the, the logs. I find all the unhandled panics and I handle them. I turn them into errors. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long, tedious process. And one way to make it, I guess, even more hardcore. I don't know if, if that's exactly the way I, I want to use it because it's for creating core dumps. And I'm not sure the joke totally works. <laughs> uh, but a way to do, uh, to do that, it was DLV. So you can yeah. use uh, GCC to create a core dump and then use DLV to debug that core dump, which I think in situations where the logging isn't great or something kind of weird is going on, perhaps like weird deadlocks or a crash that's hidden somewhere, really large code base uh, or something in a third library could help, uh, you know, find the underlying issue. And I found a really cool video about it. You, you watch it, uh, it immediately drops you into a terminal like 10 seconds in, uh, you crash a service and then you can uh, run the gcore command and it was like something i don't know how to do by heart to be honest i don't think i even know how to do after watching the video but at least it's good to have a reference um and thanks to code and console for for that uh for that video it's kind of cool looks like he only started creating videos pretty recently so i'm hoping to see more dude so the last time i had that type of crash a core dump was when i upgraded to go 1.21 and we talked about that on the show uh, back in august but uh, that's been fixed too Cool. So a, a whole bunch of uh, community stuff. Yeah. Keep it coming. Write more libraries. Create more videos. It's good for us. Well, we have talked a lot. Sorry we went well over the 15 minutes, but uh, I hope it was worth it. We do have an interview coming up. It's not a long interview, so we're going to keep the, the episode length roughly the same as usual with a longer news section and a shorter interview. Stick around for that. Thanks for listening. Happy to be back. This episode is sponsored by the amazing and wonderful Back in Banter podcast by the amazing and wonderful and talented Lane Wagner, who we've had on the show before. You may recall back, I don't remember, it's been almost a year ago, uh, mm-hmm. early on when we started the show. But it's a podcast for backend developers or aspiring backend developers, which should describe a large portion of our audience here uh, since Go is heavily used in the backend space. So if you enjoy the hot podcasts, and if you don't, then why are you listening to my voice right now? Then you should check out the Backend Banter podcast. 
Uh, I think Lane has a really good insights about backend. You know, he's the founder of Boot.dev, where he's trying to teach people backend in a in a more serious manner than most uh, coding boot camps I've seen. Yeah, have you have you played with Boot.dev by the way? Uh, I've played around with it, but uh, like I, I don't think I need it, so I didn't yeah. go through the whole thing. If I do have like time for extra training, I'm doing Duolingo because I'm trying to learn <laughs> Russian Fair before enough. my daughter grows up enough to start gossiping about me in Russian without me understanding. <laughs> well, I did play with Boot.dev a little bit, and I, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, like you said, it's not really, I'm not the target audience, but it, it's fun and it's gamified and you get to like get bonus points and put on like armor to protect you if you get an answer wrong that it doesn't count against you. So it's, it's kind of a fun little little thing. And uh, I was actually talking to one of my other mentoring students recently who, uh, as we were screen sharing during our, our bi-weekly call, said, I'm going through this course. And he popped up boot.dev. Like, that's hilarious that, uh, mm-hmm. that that's, uh, you know, Lane's uh, website. So. so it's either, you know, the, the target audience, I think for this podcast, I think some percent of you, it would be super relevant to you right now Definitely. because you're like trying to learn more about Go. And the other half of you are like Go compiler <laughs> maintainers. Uh, <laughs> and you might have fun going there and giving Lane some feedback. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, we're we're not talking about boot.dev, we're talking about backend vendor, which would be relevant to all. Yes, definitely. Other than uh the fine folks, yeah. And Andy, yeah. sorry Andy, you're not you're you're not going to Andy, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess you know, his front end needs a backend as well. Probably. Yeah. Behind every successful front end there's a there's a hardworking backend doing, you know, taking care of the house. So we are looking for sponsors. If yes. your company or podcast or you personally think you want this attention span in, in our listeners' ears, you can buy it. Just contact us, uh, which is a good way to mention how to talk to yeah. But we are actively looking for sponsors. So even if that's not you, but you work at a company that might like to sponsor us, uh, reach out. We would love to, to talk with you. We won't have any sponsors that we can't vet, so it might take a while. Uh, but we would love to hear from you. We are also looking for listeners, and we don't vet those. So you can also <laughs> share uh, the a link to this episode with your friends and colleagues. And uh, that, that could be cool. Like you, we, <laughs> you have to show that you don't have Rust C installed <laughs> in your in your path before you can listen to an episode. Talk about DRM! Wow, how do we get that yeah. one to work? <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, if you if you need to contact us. Kapago.dev is the website. You can find our email contacts there. You can also find bios of us and every other guest co-host we've had. Uh, if you're interested in, in uh, learning a little bit about us and following us on social media, that's the place to find us. Uh, and you can find us in Gopher Slack. Uh, hashtag cup-o-go. That's kebab case with the hyphens uh, on the Gopher Slack. And uh, like John said, email us news at kapago.dev. That is news at kapago.dev. One thing that's uh, worth mentioning, because I missed uh, Go's birthday, I'm sorry, Go, I was busy. Um, we wanted to, mostly to check if it works, uh, put up a discount uh, on merch. Uh, we have really cool merch. We have uh, mugs and stickers. And one day someone will buy a wireless charger and let us know if it works. We don't have it. So we set up a coupon code on the site, um, which sounds like a really grown-up podcast thing to do. It's Happy B Day 14, all caps. Uh, we'll have it in the show notes, uh, and you get 14% off for for all the mugs and whatever. We just thought it was a cool way to celebrate Go's birthday and sort of for me to get rid of the guilt of missing the birthday episode because I wasn't available. Uh, and it's uh, it should work until end of the year. 
So you have time. You don't have to rush. If that's not enough of a discount, just wait a year and we'll have a 15% discount for the 15th <laughs> yeah. anniversary. Just wait 100 years. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait 86 more years, you can get it for free. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Let me grab 86 years real quick to, to gain some capital so I can afford that. <laughs> Uh, so happy B-Day 14. It's a coupon code on the, on the merch store. It should work. If it doesn't work, uh, reach out to us. We'll, we'll figure it out. I think that wraps it up for our little segue here. Stick around for the interview with Lucio Moraes. I hope I said his last name correctly about translating the ultimate go-to-er into Portuguese. That's really interesting to listen to. Uh, one last thing before we close this uh, ad break thing. I really want to say thanks to all the co-hosts that jumped uh, you know, on the show with you, John, when I wasn't available and kept you know, the, the show running. Thanks to Delina, Andy, Josh, Mihai, and Pascal you know, for covering my shifts. This is a fun show. It's not, like a, it's not like a hassle, but I wasn't available and y'all keeping the show running and keeping our listeners happy until I came back. Is super, super appreciated. Thanks a lot. Until next time. Till next time. Bom dia. Bom dia. Good morning. Tudo bem? Tudo ótimo. Great. Uh, that's about all I know in Portuguese. I, I spent three months in Brazil uh, and three months in Portugal many, many, many years ago. So I'm not going to be able to read the work that my latest guest has done. But I'm really glad that it exists. Welcome, Lucio. Did I say that right? Lucio? Yeah, that's right. Welcome, Lucio, to the show. Uh, you have recently translated the ultimate go-to-er from Art and Labs into Brazilian Portuguese. Correct. What inspired you to do this? I have been using open source for a long time. A lot of years back in the days, a lot of times I helped people in Brazil to learn open source, to use the open source. And But because life happened, uh, I stopped a little bit to deal with open source tools. I stopped to do events for free software, right? And I always wanted to contribute with open source. For me, it's really important to give back to community. Because of open source, I'm working. Because of open source, I'm using Linux and a lot of those marvelous tools, right? And recently, I was looking into Twitter, just or X now. Mm-hmm. And I saw a tweet from Bill Kennedy asking for people to help them to translate uh, the ultimate goal to into different languages, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, when I saw that, I prompted, "Okay, I need to help him. I need awesome. to give to give it back to him, to yeah. community. I think it's important for everyone. For me, this is the beautiful in open source, right? It's how much you can contribute." It's for me. It's really, really important. So I'm imagining you're you're from Brazil. Yes, I'm from Brazil. When you learned to program, did you do it in English or in Portuguese? Uh, in English. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I suspect that that's still the most common way for people to learn to program, regardless yes. of their their language, right? Yeah. I, I remember at the, at university, we had some books translated. But it was a terrible translation. And then uh, soon I realized that I needed to read in English. Yeah. Because the translation was a bit, it was weird, right? Uh, looks like, because when you translate, you must, it's not, it's not just find the correspondent word 
in Portuguese or whatever language. You need to you need to make this to have a meaning, a proper meaning in your language, right? Right. Yeah. And that's and really then, hard for technical terms that exactly probably don't it have is. a translation, right? No. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah. We yeah. talk about this later. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm curious during the process of translation, if you learned anything new about Go, was there anything in that you had to translate? And you're like, oh, I didn't know that before. I'm still learning Go. I'm I'm pretty uh-huh. new in Go. Yeah, I have been doing Go just for one year and a half. Okay. Yeah, pretty still a newbie. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, and I think what I learned most in translating these was about generics. Yeah, in Go. Yeah, I'm still running. To be honest, it's still me too. Me too. Yeah, it's still <laughs> you know it's a little bit different from the, the language I came from, uh, Java. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean different, not the concept, but the the way to use. I think it's a it's still it's still different. It's still not right. the same. I think. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I believe I believe this is. And also the mocking part to to mock the servers. It was really fun to to learn about it. Cool. How long did, did the translation process take for you? A couple of weeks, maybe two or three weeks. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, it, the biggest problem was we were four people to translate, mm-hmm. but two of us they are in Brazil. Okay, and two of us are in New Zealand. Okay, yeah. And I don't know what, what time is in Brazil right now, but it's about 16, 16 hours of difference. Yeah. yeah. So every time you need to do a pull request. And then I created a, a chat, a group chat in Telegram. Mm-hmm. And then I add, add everyone there. But anyway, we need to, we are sleeping here. They are wake up. They are yeah. there, over there. So this is what I believe was the most difficult. But they they do it. They did great. They are really nice people. Wonderful. So it was it was four of you working for about three weeks. Uh, how much? Yes. W- were you working on it full time, or was this just an afternoons and weekends project? How much time did you dedicate to it? Uh, it was for me. It was more about the weekends mm-hmm. uh, because um, I had family. You know how, it, how of course yeah how that works, right? And family, uh, my activities, work. And it was more about the weekend. And sometimes later in the evening, after dinner, I'll work, easy to work a bit, a little bit, about one hour, one hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was this amount of time. Not every night, of course. Right, right. How has the reception been? Have you been getting comments from people in the community thanking you for it? Uh, or has it yes, just kind of been, yes. nobody cares? <laughs> I mean, I think uh, a lot of people, they care about it. I have the impressions in LinkedIn. Not not too many, not too many comments, to be honest. But a lot of um, people liking. And uh, recently, I got a lot of new uh, connections in LinkedIn as well. So I believe it's it was really nice. As you mentioned before, no one knew about this. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty new, right? We have the Go Tour, mm-hmm. right? But we don't. We didn't have the automated Go Tour yet, right? Yeah. People didn't know that. Nice. So as we speak, the uh, tour, this is, by the way, it's at tour.artandlabs.com if you're interested in checking it out. It's, of course, available in English and Portuguese now, Polish, Persian, and I don't know, another language I can't read uh, because it's uh, written uh, in its native script. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's Arab. Okay. I believe, yeah. And there, so, are, there are more things to come in. Uh, I know there are people 
working Dutch, French, okay. German, Indi, okay. uh, Indonesian, Italian, and there are more languages coming now. Good. I'm surprised I haven't heard Spanish, but maybe it's in the list somewhere. Spanish is the other language I do actually speak, uh, unlike Portuguese, where I can kind of halfway understand a little bit. In, in, oh, say maybe a few you words. can understand something. Oh, you have Spanish coming as Spanish well. Spanish is coming too. Okay. So we have a lot yeah. of languages coming. I'm curious, how did you get involved? Um, and, and the reason I'm asking is I wonder if somebody else listening, they're like, oh, my, my native language is, I don't know, Latvian or something, and that's not on the list. How could I help add it to the list? How did you get involved and, and how can others get involved if they want to? How I get involved? Uh, I saw, as I told you, I saw uh, a tweet from Bill Kennedy asking for people to help. I reached him and he immediately replied to me. And then this is when I started to work. He added me to the GitHub repository, the repo. And from there, it was just to translate. Wonderful. I know Bill Kennedy. I've met him once in person uh, at a conference and I've spoken to him by, uh, by Slack several times. He's very responsive. So yeah. uh, if you need, if you're interested at all in helping with this, reach out to him. There, there's a link at the bottom of the link I provided for an email address. Click on that link. Or if you're in the Gopher Slack, you can send him a direct message. I, I think he's okay with that. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that on, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, reach out to Bill Kennedy if you are interested in helping to translate to your language. Yes. Uh, also, we can check the GitHub repo. Oh yeah, the okay. Repo, the repo started sent to you as well. I'll put the link to that in the show notes as yes, well. Yes, the the repo. I suppose if you see a typo or something, you could also just submit a pull request exactly. to, to fix it, right? Yeah. Were there any uh, surprising challenges during the process, whether it's about the translation or the technology you were using or or Go itself, anything at all, anything that surprised you in the process? I mean, the process, uh, the most challenging for me, uh, it's because I don't know how people are talking. I mean, <laughs> how talking about Golang in Brazil, mm -hmm. right? For example, Java. I use it, Java in Brazil, right? But I have been living in New Zealand for nine years now. I don't know how much people are now using technical, you know, the technical yeah. terms, the technical words in Golang and Java, right? Because of that time, when I left Brazil in 2013, people translated it as much they can, the, the terms, right? Uh -huh. The words, the... And find what I... We could translate. It was a challenge thing, I, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh -huh. But luck eyes, we had two guys in Brazil working. And they helped a lot for us. And then, for example, Slice. We yeah. didn't translate the Slice. It doesn't okay. make sense to translate for us, right? Yeah. So I think this was the most challenge. What we can find a word to translate in Portuguese. We have this or we don't have this, you know? Yeah, this was the most challenging thing. I can also imagine there's a challenge for, for someone learning a language who who doesn't speak English or doesn't speak it well, that the, the programming languages themselves are very English-centric. I mean, you have words like main and slice and any, uh, you know, just yeah. all, all the keywords are package. They're all English keywords. So you, you, you're kind of forced to learn at least a little bit of English. Maybe you don't understand the full context, but you at least understand a, a few words. I'm curious if you could talk about that from the perspective of as you were learning, I guess, Java. And even if you were reading in a Portuguese text, you had all these English words splattered around and you're typing semi-English into your compiler. What's that like? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping you can help those of us who are born speaking English understand what, what it's like to learn and to, to program in a language that's not your own. Yeah, I think the, the most important is try to, to have a correspondent word that makes sense to you. You know what I mean? I know uh, sometimes it doesn't make any sense. 
right? But sometimes you need to understand what you have to to find a correspondent word to that keyword you got you are going to use, right? And then you it, this start to make sense to you. Yeah. And, and also when I when I start to pro, to learn programming in Brazil, we had a pseudo language called Portugal. Mm -hmm. It was similar to maybe Pascal. Okay. And then we learned in that way. So we had, for example, in that pseudo language, we had uh, vetor. It's a this is a word in Portuguese, right? It's the same as an array in English. Uh -huh. So this is a little bit, at least for Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, as we had this pseudo language to help people to learn, it was, it make our life a little, a little bit easy. Yeah. I would say. Thanks. Is Is there anything else that you think we should talk about? Any anything that I should have asked that I didn't, uh, or or any particular story you'd like to share about about this project? About this project, I think it's it's great to have this because if you already know our program language, you don't need to go to come back to the basics. I know the basics are important, but you're gonna you're gonna learn a little bit more advanced in Go. You're gonna learn about more why Go does something like they it dies. You know what I mean? You're gonna understand better why some decisions, some architectural decisions for the language were made. Yeah, I think this is. But you need to have a previously knowledge in programming, of course. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, I want to say a big thank you to you and the other three who are involved in this project, and for anybody who's working on all the languages. Even though I don't speak these languages, I think it's it's a big help to the community, and it you know it, a rising tide lifts all all ships, as they say, right? So if we can help yeah, yeah. people in all languages learn programming, it helps everybody. It gives us more diversity in the workforce, in the ideas, and the new language features that are added. So it's great. I love to see these sort of efforts. Um, how can people reach out to you if if they're interested? Uh, are you available on social media? Uh, I'm not too available on social media. Okay. <laughs> but, it, but you can reach me on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, just look, search for Lucio Moraes. All right. Yeah, that's me. Great. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And I told you before we started recording, we ask all of our guests two special questions at the end of the uh, the interview. The first one is, imagine that you're told that you must remove something from Go, a feature, a, a library, something. Something has to go. What would you take out of Go? I really don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Should remove? I don't know, Jonathan. Okay. I'm sorry, man. That's, I'm sorry. that's a fair answer. Uh, maybe this will be easier. So let's say you had a magic wand you could wave and poof, a brand new feature would be added to Go. What would you like to see that's not there right now? I don't know if this is going to be a popular opinion. That's okay. <laughs> but but do you know those arrays functions that we have in JavaScript? The filters and a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see those things. Sometimes. I would too. I don't know if it's popular in the world, but I agree with you. I would love to see that. Yes, because it's too, I, I understand Go, it's a simple language. And it's really fun because of it, I think, mm -hmm. because you need to build a lot of stuff. You need to, I don't know, maybe we need to come back to write more code because a lot of stuff they, we don't have. I mean, not ready to use. I mean, but those kinds of stuff, I, I believe it's, it should be great to have. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think now that we have generics, it's it's more realistic. And I, you know, there's a new proposal that's, uh, I can't recall if it was already accepted. I think it was just accepted recently to add a new range over function capability that will probably come and go 1.23, which isn't exactly the same thing, but it gets us a little bit closer. 
So I, I think there's hope. I think I think you and I may have our yeah, wish before yeah. too long. <laughs> well, when I start to program in Go, once I needed to use Max, yeah, and and then I we didn't have at that time. Yeah. So we don't have Max. No, I need to write myself. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's a it's simple, but it's, it is simple, but it's annoying because every language has that except Go. Now, now it <laughs> yeah. does, but it didn't. Now it now it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, well, thank you, Lucio, for coming on. It's it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot again for the work you and your your co uh, translators have done. It's a big uh, a big benefit to the community. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me to to talk about uh, this work we did. It was it's a pleasure. I think if more people can help, it's going to be better for us, for everyone. A lot of people using Go. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Well, until next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you.